You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. Oh, it was normal again. Uh, Labor Day version. Is that not normal? (laughs) Labor Day version. We're a day late and a dollar short. Yeah, Labor Day kind of, it didn't sneak up on us, but it, it threw us off a bit. Did it sneak up? Didn't sneak up on us, no. This is episode 64, before that sneaks by me. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's what this is. And we are a day late because we did have, like Labor Day, like all of you probably had some family stuff going on or whatever on Labor Day. Yeah, so opposed to telling everybody to go away and leave us alone for a certain period of time so we could do a podcast, we decided to, hey, you know what we'll do? We'll actually talk to the family while they're here. <laughs> And then we'll do it later. Nobody would have been quiet enough for that. Oh my gosh, no no way. No. Impossible. Between the dogs and the people and all that stuff, yeah, it never got done. So we had a good time. So we're late. Sorry. Too bad. So sad. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But we got a lot of really cool stuff to talk about today. Uh, We're pretty excited about it because as we always do, we've come up with something new we want to try out. Yeah, we can't leave things alone. Well, I don't, I've discovered we just can't leave well well enough alone, you know? <laughs> no. Like, it's going good. Leave it alone. No. Stop messing with it. No, not going to do that. It's like a sore somebody can't stop picking just at. Gonna, just going to keep trying to get better. That's the deal. I know. So, okay, I posted that we were going to talk about this and that we did it. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing with our fasting, yeah. with our eating window. And it's it's actually, uh, I don't know why we didn't think of it before, it's a very simple, easy change that uh, really wasn't even that hard, but this, this gets into food timing. Yeah, and I think that for us, probably the reason why we didn't try it before is because we really do try to have that family dinner time, because mm-hmm. we still have a kiddo at home, and that's that's something that we try to to just keep as a tradition, keep keep family time around the table a little bit. So that's why this has been a big switch for us. Yeah. And, and so we, we, we still we work doing? we still work that in, but yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? We're just, you know, doing something a little different. It's not that big a deal, but it could make a difference in somebody else's life. We were eating our dinner at a normal dinner time for us, which was about 5 or 5:30, 6 o'clock. Yep. And we would have like in the morning, we would do a fat coffee. Then we would have um, basically like an, a, 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 what was it, like noon? A noon meal? Yeah, noon, a 10, noonish meal, yeah. Between 10.30 and noon, sometimes we would eat. And then our dinner was like 5.30, 6 o'clock. Yeah, and so we were only eating two meals a day. Yes. So all we've done now, is we've, we've taken those two meals and we've, we've compressed them. And it's been really hard to eat that much food. <laughs> so, so we have, we've moved our eating window. And all it is is the time in which we're e- eating our food, we've just moved it up a few hours in the day. So we're eating in a, basically a four-hour window, somewhere between 9 
and I guess two, one, no, nine and one, we're fitting in all of our food. Right. Nine and one, 10 and one. It really depends. The, I mean, for a couple of days, we've been doing 10.30-ish to one. Like, it's been a pretty small window. Yeah, it was a, a fairly small window, and we'll eat two pretty good-sized meals within that time. Mm-hmm. The normal meals we would have had in the other eating style we were doing, we've just, like we said, we moved it into that short time period very close together, and then we just don't eat the rest of the day. Yeah, so same amount of food, smaller window, and the purpose being that so, so the, since we finish eating earlier in the day and we go to sleep with pretty much nothing in our, our bellies and our, our, our body has all this time at night to do stuff other than digest, it can work on repair. Yeah, and that was something that I had not really thought about a lot was the time in which we were fasting in the morning time, you know, I would have coffee. So it was a technically, you could say it wasn't really a fast. So I might have only been getting anywhere from 6 o'clock or 6.30 in the evening until 6.30 the next morning, about a 12-hour fast. And this has shoved that to more of a 19-hour fast Mm -hmm. for the most part. And that 19-hour fast, there's a reason why that is... Important. It's important because now when you when you go to bed, you've already not had food for uh, you know almost eight to nine hours. So most of it is is digested and on the way. Right. So now when you're going to bed, your body not only do you not have to, doesn't have to digest, and you know digesting food can also disturb your sleep. So if you're having sleep issues, this is one thing that we are looking at it for. But in addition to is giving your body that opportunity to get into autophagy. Yeah, and that's the big magic word of the day, autophagy. Autophagy. It's like Sesame Street, so (laughs) our word for the day. And a lot of you guys know what autophagy is. It's when your cells, like a part of your cell needs to be replaced, and so your body will be able to break that down, get rid of it, repurpose it, and you go into that state where you have uh, your human growth hormone, your, your growth hormone increases during this time of fasting and you can make those new pieces for your and those new parts for your cells yep it's different than you know there's two ways your cells die you have apoptosis which is programmed cell death and those cells they're born to die all cells are born to die eventually you know our cells replace themselves they they die and we get new ones but Autophagy is a little bit different. Sometimes you have a cell that just needs a new part, kind of like a new spark plug, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. you want to think of it that way. So rather than throwing away the entire car, you just get a new spark plug, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the easy explanation that, explanation that is just your body does repair. Yeah. That's it. So the, the, the more time you have fasting, the more repair it gets done. So... That's really the cool thing about pushing the eating eating window back earlier in the day. That way, by the time you go to sleep, you're in maximum repair you know, window right there. And another thing that we had not really considered was, you know, I've, he- I've heard a lot of people talk about the dry fasting. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, in Texas with the heat, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> and dry fasting is a, one of those steps beyond where I have been. But with doing... The fast like we're doing this now, you actually get that whole time when you're asleep in a state of dry fasting. 
Right, and if you cut your liquids off, say, uh, you know, one night I try to cut the liquids off at around 6 o'clock, like no liquids after that. And I thought that would be way more difficult than it was. It's kind of like you're a little kid that pees the bed and we have to cut <laughs> you off. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't get up to pee, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's interesting. But dry fasting is the next step, mm-hmm. really, because during the dry fast, you know, if you're not drinking water, where is your body getting water? Well, it's breaking down some fat and it's pulling the water out of the fat cell to nourish your body, to keep your vital organs hydrated. So it'll pull body fat out and you'll get the water from that. And that's like an ultra fast fat burning mode that Mm -hmm. you get into, which is where you get, if you stop your eating window early, and we're not saying that everybody needs to try this. It's just our experiment right now. But when you stop that eating window early and then cut those liquids off and like from six in the evening until six the next morning, that's a 12 hour dry fast. Yeah. And that's good. And that's and, really great. And now you might uh, ask the next question is, well, what about working out? So now this makes your your morning, you know, semi-fasted workout even that much more effective. And some people will say, and I would probably have told you this, you know, 10 years ago that, oh, your workout's going to be horrible if you don't eat some, some, some breakfast, get some food in your body before you start working out. And that has been, that's not been the case so far. You know, I kind of thought that because I've been waking up in the recent past and I've been eating a couple of boiled eggs and a piece of bacon or whatever with my fat coffee first thing in the morning. And so I kind of thought, oh, no, if we go into doing this and I'm fasted going into a workout after that long, you know, I have I stopped eating at two o'clock the day before and I haven't had any food and then I try to work out. I thought it'd be kind of horrible. But the workouts that we've done while eating this way have been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised. Yeah, it's been really uh, not an issue and almost a, a increase in energy during the morning workout. I, w- I woke up a couple of times over the weekend, like woke up bright-eyed, bushy-tailed at like 5.30 and was like, I'm ready to work out. I just wanted to go work out. I felt great, felt refreshed. And the big thing is that when we have worked out, we just felt like doing more working out. That was what was crazy. (laughs) It was like you worked out and it was really good. So you wanted to just keep going, which, uh, you know, from the personal trainer, you know, side of it, that's the the bad thing. Don't do that um, because that's usually when you get hurt from experience. So, uh, you know, plan your workout, do your workout and then move on. Don't don't do the add ons there at the end like most of us tend to do. Yeah, and I also wondered how it would affect my sleep, going to sleep, because I've been the insomnia person. And um, I did notice something pretty interesting that I did not equate with a problem going to sleep was body heat. Like we would eat our carnivore meal in the evening, and so you're digesting all this protein. Well, we all know that when we digest a lot of protein, it does create some heat in our body. We, 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 all, we all know what the meat sweats are. Mm-hmm. We know what that means. <laughs> and so you get that little ramp up of body temperature. And then when you're trying to go to sleep, you really want to be cooling down and a very, you know, your body in a cool state. And I noticed since we started doing this, when I lay down at night, my body temperature is much cooler than it has been. And mm-hmm. these are little things that you start really just dialing in on the further you go and trying to get your health like as good as you can get it 
And, and it's really actually interesting, uh, you know, having that window that you eat in and then you're skipping dinner. Like it opens up this whole new uh, area that you can just can you, you can do stuff because you don't have to stop and eat dinner. You know, if you're doing something, you just keep going and just keep doing it until, you know, it starts to get dark and then you go inside. So it's really weird. It is. I, I'm, I have enjoyed it so much. I thought I would hate it. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this in my head. But after we've done it for just a few, I don't even know how long we've done it. We started last Friday. Yeah. Last Friday. And this is Tuesday. Yeah. So not long at all. So don't listen to us. (laughs) Um, We're new at this. But no, since we've done it, I've... I've really enjoyed it. I haven't missed eating a big dinner, and I have not gotten hungry at night like I thought that I would. That Yeah, that's something else. I, I really thought that when that dinner time rolled around or maybe afterwards that, that I would get hungry. But, you know, we're still working out in that 4, four o'clock to 6 o'clock window, still working out. And most of you guys know is after you work out, rarely are you really, like, real hungry. You don't work out and, and feel like you have to go eat something immediately. Most time, or for me, is I feel like it's hard to eat after you work out. I felt like that a lot. Like when we would finish our afternoon workout, I would think, oh, I got to go make dinner. Yeah. (laughs) And I would think I'm going to have to just make myself eat. And once I started cooking and everything and seeing the steak, I would would get a hunger signal and it it all worked, always seemed to work out. I ate my food. But this has been just super easy. It is kind of weird sometimes when you sit down because, like I say, the kiddo's at home and he, and he still eats dinner. So we'll sit down with him around the dinner table and he'll be eating, but we won't. We'll be, you know, just maybe drinking some water or something. So uh, a couple of times you look at it and you get that urge to, I should be eating too. Yeah, I've got a little trick for that for myself and for you. and It seems to work. I have... Um, I, I like to drink a sparkling water, like a Topo Chico, and you just have something, and mm-hmm. that way you feel kind of social at dinner, and whatever it is that, you know, however you like to drink your water or whatever, it just makes it more enjoyable, because you're sitting there with something, so you don't really feel that deprivation, or being like, you're not having anything. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and I, it works. I, I dealt with this last week, uh, I was on the road, so I was down at a conference, and uh, it was one of those where they brought in breakfast, they brought in food, you know, lunch, and uh, one night they even brought in dinner. And the the breakfast was breakfast burritos, mm-hmm. not so awesome, because uh, you know I'm not gonna eat the tortillas, so I didn't eat that. But you know, Melody had made a bunch of eggs and bacon before I left, so I took that with me and put it in their little fridge there. So I would just have a couple eggs and a couple pieces of bacon and be good to go. And then uh, the first day at lunch, it was nothing but pasta, like. That's all it was. Yeah, and they always do that. They always do that. It's cheap. So, um, you know, I just sat around with everybody else, and I didn't eat. I just didn't eat the food. And it's easy. When you're you're fat adapted, that's easy. If you're a carb junkie, (laughs) that that becomes a little more difficult. It was interesting. When we started getting close to lunch, people started getting antsy, and they started getting hungry. And then lunch got pushed like an hour. And, man, you saw people, like, get a little, like, I got to eat. Yeah. You know, like, it's time to eat. I got to eat. And if you're on, if you're a carb eater and you're on an eating schedule like I was before where I ate at like 7, 9, 11, yeah. one, I ate every couple hours, you know, and you're used to eating at 11 and they push that for an hour, you get hangry. You do. And so when you think about it, like those people are, when you eat that way, and I ate like that in the past too, I, I did the classic every three to four hours or, you know. I liked the three hour because I'd start getting really hungry. Yeah. Especially doing a more bodybuilder style diet. 
Um, there's very little fat. There's more carbs, and it's lean protein. So basically, you're starving to death because you have no energy, and um, your blood sugar is going crazy. So when that blood sugar dip happens, and you're just like, I've got to eat now. I, I, you know, I have to have food. And those people are never getting into a state of fasting, and they're always keeping their insulin going. Right. So that's a problem because when your insulin is always ha- needing to be used. What can never happen? Well, you can never have human growth hormone to come in and say, hey, that cell is kind of ratty looking. Let's fix it up a little bit. And so you don't really get that effect. You don't get you don't get the benefit of that. No, and, and we know people that when they get on this, this every couple hour diet, they'll actually get up in the middle of the night to eat food. We've talked, yeah, we've talked to people who who actually get up in the middle of the night to consume egg whites, and I was like, if there was something I was going to get up in the middle of the night to eat, it would not be egg whites. <laughs> but no. I understand they had a goal, and they were, that's discipline. Uh, to me, anybody with that kind of discipline to do that can do anything. They well, just need to have the right guidance. They, they also had a heart attack, so. Well, that's true. So that, that, that contributes to that, that constant supply of glucose and insulin, you know, that just contributes to having bad arteries. It does. So, uh, and that's, an, you know, another reason, you know, when you're getting all this cell repair and, and you're, you're fasting and you're all, you know, cleaned out, then uh, your body just works better. Now, there is probably, and again, you're, we're getting beyond our expertise is like how long a fast is too long. Now, ours have been kind of working out to... Right around 20 hours. So, you mm-hmm. know, our workouts are, are occurring in that, uh, you know, 18 to 19 hour window. And then we're eating a little after that. So 20 to 21 hours of actual fasting taking place. And, I've, you know, I've read that people do 48 to 72 pretty regularly. Um, right. But uh, then I've heard, you know, I know Dr. Stephen Finney talks about anything beyond 48 hours that you're, you're really past that window of, of optimal fasting. Yeah, so the people who are pulling the, you know, they're eating once every 48 hours, they're probably at the top end, you know, of that. I don't know if I could eat enough food to, to, to like, take that whole 48 hours. Well, I think that that we're talking about people who really need to either correct a health issue or they have a skin disease or they're they're really overweight trying to lose weight and they need they've got the body fat to support that right because once you get down to a certain level I mean, granted is it dangerous i can't say that it is because if it were i don't think any of us would be here you know because i'm sure that throughout time humans have had plenty of times where they only ate every other day because <laughs> right. just because of, of supply or or weather or whatever. Yeah. And there's many reasons why you would be forced to fast. Yeah. And so that kind of gets us to the point of, you know, a lot of people will say that fasting is great for men. And I've probably been one of the people that have said this, but maybe not so awesome for women. But I've really kind of thought about this and I try to just block out all the nonsense online because everybody's going to have their... Good luck with blocking the nonsense. I know. So everybody's going to have their reason to say whatever they're going to say. But I just look at it as women carry around a little more body fat naturally, right? Um, There would have been times when you wouldn't have had food as a human being before all of our conveniences and domestication of animals. 
So I'm going to say that because we're, we're assigned the task of growing a human inside of our body, that we probably are pretty doggone good at fasting. Yeah, we yeah. are. And, it, and once you get in the, to the habit of it and you do it, it's not hard. It's not like it's a really big deal. Like you're, you know, people think you'd be miserable. You're not. You're not miserable at all. No, and I think I've been one of those people who was kind of confused by all the stuff out there about how it would affect female hormones and thyroid and all of these things. But when you are fasting and you have autophagy happening and you're getting cell turnover, I don't know how that cannot be a healthy thing. So should you fast a long time? I don't know. That's up to each individual person. You have to just test it out. Right now, it's working great for me. Yeah, and and you know, well, that's for us, and we we have the opportunity. You know, I don't. If if you had to go to work every day, if you go to work at you know had to be at work at seven in the morning, you don't get off till four. This might be difficult for you to do because you're gonna have to pack food. You're gonna be that you know that weird person that brings all their food and they only get to eat in that little window. You know that might not work for you if you have a certain type of job. It might, yeah. Everybody's lifestyle is totally different. We get that. Um, this is just fits our lifestyle right now and actually fits our lifestyle really, really well because that eating window is perfect for us because that's usually kind of a time in the day where we're doing some work or just in the house, it's hot outside or, you know, it, it's just midday. That's when we get work done around the house and mm-hmm. it's time we can sit down and have the time to eat. Well, I think that's why intermittent fasting works well for a lot of people because most people are just skipping the breakfast uh, feeding window uh-huh. and you know, anybody that has a family knows that that time period in the morning is the most chaotic time period all the time. If you've got kids, you got to get them out of bed. You got to got to get them to eat something. Uh, you know, so you got to feed them to get them ready to get them out the door. And plus, you have to get ready to go to your job. So that's the most chaotic time. So when people start inter- intermittent fasting and taking away that window and and using that time for something else, it's usually pretty pretty easy and, and, and seems like a pretty good thing. Yeah. So with kids and with a family, a busy family, what what we're doing would be difficult. But you'd have to you'd have to eat a huge breakfast. You'd well, have to prepare and either eat a big big breakfast, or like you said, cram it in the in the lunch hour. Well, what we do for our kid because I mean this you know he's in high school and he gets up early to go to uh, you know soccer practice. Mm-hmm. So uh, Melly just she makes she keeps boiled eggs and bacon ready to go. And we do want to just point out that he is not on the same fasting regimen that we are. He eats whenever he wants to. <laughs> he's on the he's, he's on the I always eat protocol. And it's like if he's hungry, he eats, and that's kind of what we want. We want him to eat when he's hungry, and we're just we only provide in the house the foods that we want him to eat. And I think that is as a parent where we see the breakdown with parents and children. And I'm the one that goes to the grocery store. I'm the one that puts the food in the cart. If I don't put it in the cart and bring it in the house, it's not here for him to have. Correct. You only purchase the foods you want your kids to eat. So if you don't want them eating goldfish or uh, eating crackers or drinking apple juice or drinking Sprite, whatever it is, don't buy it. Don't have it in the house. And so for him, you know, he eats the eggs and the bacon in the morning. He takes his keto lunch to school. He has, he eats things that we don't. He eats apples. He eats a couple of uh, like things like a Lara bar or an RX bar because he's playing soccer and he's 16. And 
but he the rest of the time he eats very ketogenic, like all hamburger meat and eggs and bacon, and he eats cheese. We don't, but right, he so eats a lot of food. He eats a lot of food: pork rinds, peanut butter, all these things. Um, but we do, you know, just prepare for him in the morning rather than him grabbing a bowl of cereal because it, it's not here. He grabs boiled eggs. And that's, you know, that's what we want. We want him to eat healthy fats and proteins. And how do we do that? We don't provide the other crappy carbs in the house that he could reach for. Yeah, and that's a really easy tip for, you know, little kids. Usually little kids will eat boiled eggs, no big deal. Um, So, you know, if you're a busy person and you just have some boiled eggs around all the time, cutting up, you know, two or three boiled eggs for, uh, two eggs for a small child is is plenty. Yeah, that's usually a lot. Yeah. So, um, but... Those things like that, just being prepared and with with kids is number one. And for us right now with the eating window that we're in, I just try to stay up with the food like that. There's always eggs. There's always bacon. There's always some hamburger patties cooked and in the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. It's little things like that that I can do with 10 or 15 minutes or 20 minutes of a day and to be prepared and to have it ready to go. So when we're not eating and he's hungry... He has food that he can get. And plus, if you have that food around, if, if you try something like this and you get to like, wow, I, I really feel like I'm hungry and I probably need to put something in my stomach, just start off with one boiled egg. Just eat one and see how that makes you feel. Yeah. And, you know, another thing with this type of fasting, I, some people would say this is breaking the fast. And I agree in a certain respect that, yes, it is. But... You're still not having to digest a lot, but we keep bone broth around, frozen, and then if something happens and you just need something, you can drink some bone broth, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's good minerals, and yes, it's some amino acids, but it's not like you you instead broke down and ate a bag of donuts. (laughs) I think that's the difference. Yeah. So the things you should pay attention to when you start doing this, pay attention to your energy levels. If you're getting a constant low energy, you feel fatigued and uh, very tired and you just want to take a nap, you're probably not getting enough food into your system. And that's something that that we're trying to work on because, uh, you know, when you eat an entire steak, you don't feel like you want to eat anymore. But we know that if we want to continue the same level activities, that we need to put more nutrients into our system. So we didn't want to cut back any more food than what we were already eating. And that's why we went, instead of going with one big meal for the day while we gave the window, because we eat right at the beginning of the window and we kind of eat right towards the end. So in that, in that four hour window, and that gave us the ability to get in those two good sized meals. Yeah. And that, cause that is hard. That's, you have to expand your stomach a little bit (laughs) to fit that food in there. And if you're not used to eating those big meals together, that's a lot of, you know, your, your body just says, I'm full. Don't put any more in here. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting experiment because I didn't think that I would be able to eat two carnivore waffles and then turn around and eat a big, a big giant steak. Right. But I'm doing that. Well, you know, it just, it, it reminds me of uh, when I was, you know, younger hearing about Herschel Walker, who was a running back for the Dallas Cowboys. I had heard that he only ate one meal a day and I heard that for years and I just couldn't wrap my mind around how an NFL athlete 
could only eat one meal a day. Now, I did hear that it was a huge meal, that he was eating all of his calories, a massive meal in, in one setting. Calories. We don't believe in I'm calories. I'm sorry. I said calories. I, I, I got to put a, put a dollar in the calorie jar. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. But, you know, as now I can look at it and understand why he was doing that. He was eating mm-hmm. that one big meal. Now, he attributed it to uh, a childhood uh, thing when that's just how he was raised. So that's what he always did. I don't know if he still does it or not. It'd be really cool to Sounds find like out. Sounds like his mom was a smart lady. I'm cooking once, and you guys are going to eat, and then that's it for the day. Kitchen closed. Yeah, and I think that's really what it was, is they didn't have a whole lot of food. Yeah. Like, they weren't, you know, well off, so they only got that one meal a day, and he just got used to eating one meal a day. Yeah, and you know, I, I was telling you the other day, I saw this interview with, uh, it was a an elderly man. I think he was... 99 or 100 or 100 years old. He was over 100. And they were asking him what his secret was. He was tall. He was, you know, he was not overweight. He had never been overweight. And he was in good health. And he said, people eat too much. People just eat too much. And he said he would eat his food early in the day. And then if he got hungry at night, he'd eat an apple. And he said, people go to bed with their stomachs way too full. Yeah. And at that point, I just thought, oh, this is a man who lived through the Depression. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just really stuck with him that people just have too much. And he just got used to not eating that much. But there really is something to that because he looked great. He was very healthy. And he may not have eaten a ketogenic diet at all, but... He allowed his body to go through all of his liver glycogen at night by not having so much food to digest, and he was able to probably get into that state of autophagy and mm-hmm. really clean out that body and clean out those sticky, gunky proteins that our body will will get clogged up with, especially in the brain. And he was very, very um, spry for his age and completely cognitively all there you know yeah and 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 that's a great point because sometimes we get way caught up on what what we think we're missing like oh we're missing micronutrients or we're not getting enough omega-3s or uh we're not getting enough of whatever you name it supplement or 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 medication even and sometimes uh it's better to take things away than to add that's true because we can start adding way too much junk you can end up with like 16 pills in your hand because you think (laughs) you need every supplement under the sun and really what you just needed to do was take a couple of things away and save all that money. You, you know, I, I saw online that people were having the conversation about salt, about, you know, too much salt, not enough salt, uh, how Himalayan pink salt is a scam and, and just eat table salt. It's just sodium chloride, you know, and, and everybody has their opinions on that. But, uh, you know, we take in a lot of salt. We do. And, you know, that salt, salt is the one thing that I think... Um, when you're talking about it, if you can eat sugar, like you start eating sugar, right? Just let's say. I'm not going to do it, but okay. Okay. You start eating chips or whatever. or Well, chips are probably a bad example, but just straight salt, your body will say, ooh, yeah, that's too salty. You are you have that. The train's too loud. It is too <laughs> <laughs> But we have that kind of barometer in our body that, man. He's getting after today. He is. is he must have just, took us some salt. He's that, got high energy. The conductor's working out. But you know, I mean, salt is one of those things. I think you kind of self-regulate it by taste. 
you crave it or you don't. And I, I know that we crave sugar sometimes, but that's just different. Your body doesn't need sugar. Your your body absolutely has to have salt for the messages to get crossed between cells. So that's something that's really important to know that salt salt is super important. So when you look at all the stuff that people say online, you have to just stop listening to everybody else, really. Don't even listen to us, but start start really experimenting with it yourself. Yeah, figure out what works for you. And, you know, I had a client recently was talking to me about uh, doing uh, hiking, and the, she was doing hiking at altitude. And every time she got up there, she was having, having problems breathing and getting, like, severe dead legs. And my first question was, how much salt are you taking in? And she wasn't taking it enough, not even near enough. So I, I had her increase her salt intake, and that helped with the breathing, that helped with the legs. Um, so you got to just figure out what works for you, and especially if you're doing activities and you're doing activity in the heat. you got you, you yeah. got to play with the salt because if, if you're doing things in the heat and you feel fatigued or you feel like you don't have enough gas in the tank – uh, it's not always goes goes back to food. Sometimes it goes back to electrolytes and salt. Yeah, and you you mentioned uh, just a couple of minutes ago about if you feel fatigued and about food intake, but it's also about that sodium potassium yeah, right. intake. So if you start feeling fatigued, if you experiment with longer periods of fasting, it could just be that, especially if you have worked out, maybe you just need a little salt bump. You know. Yeah, if you do a for us example a two hour workout in 95 degree weather you're gonna need salt yeah that's kind of like what we do so So, you you know when you're drenched you look like you got out of the pool that's how wet your shoes and your shorts and and everything is you sweat it out quite a bit of salt and you better be putting it back in or you're not going to feel very good well and the interesting thing that you know I, i came across not long ago was how if you didn't have enough salt of course your um adrenal glands are what help regulate that sodium potassium pump. And if you don't have enough salt, you actually will create a state of insomnia because when you go to lay down, your body starts freaking out because it doesn't have enough salt and you it actually increases your adrenaline. Yeah, well, you become anxious. Yeah, and your body's in a state of you know distress, so you can't sleep. And when I started really increasing my salt, especially with as much as we were working out outside, that's when I started really seeing sleep improvements. Right, and not to get in a, an extreme tangent, but that goes you know right along with with people who have anxiety, depression, or post traumatic stress disorder. A lot of times, they're just their body is just in a in a nutrient deficient state. Right. And whether it's salt or magnesium or potassium or just in general vitamin D, vitamin B, any of those things, and your body is extremely depleted in those, you will feel anxious because your body is trying to communicate with you. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, I I piss a lot of people off online when they post about uh, mental disorders or anxiety and depression. And I always post, you might want to check your diet. Yeah. I get, I, I get a lot of anger. Well, it. we don't mean to dumb it down to like everything is just con, comes across 100% as diet. We know that there are other factors involved, but the very base of the, the very, very foundation is the diet. If the diet's wrong, then no amount of therapy, drug treatment, talking to a counselor, none of those things 
even environment, none of that is going to help resolve the issue if the foundation is not there right. of it's a, a good diet. Yeah, it's, it's a cornerstone of, of your health. You know, we got lifestyle, environment, and nutrition, you know, kind of the, the three pillars. Well, that's the cornerstone. None of the other ones will work if, you're, if your nutrition is not on point. Yeah, because without the, the nutrients to make the, all the neurotransmitters and produce the hormones, then everything else is just a wash. And, and most of the time, people can't put it together. And you try to put it together for them, and they, and they won't listen. I mean, I, I just had a conversation with somebody, and they are talking about how they can't eat meat, and uh, you know they only eat vegetables, and if they eat meat, they don't, they don't feel well. And I try to explain that, well, it, it seems like it, your digestion is off. And these, this is a person that had take, uh, you know, they, they had taken uh, anti-acids, um, mm-hmm. you know, they had, and, and they and they talked about that. And then when I'm talking to them, they have tobacco in their mouth. Right. So and, it's a breakdown. And I just want to go, hey man, the the tobacco in your mouth is killing your stomach, and you're complaining about not, you know, you should, you're only eating vegetables because that's all you can digest. You you can't digest anything else because your stomach is screwed up because you've got tobacco in your mouth right now when I'm talking to you about it. Right. I know, and you're like, ah, it just, it's its hard, and we know a lot of you guys deal with situations like that, and your friends, family, or whatever that you talk to, and it's difficult, because you're like, really, the answer is, first and foremost, what goes into your body makes your body, so that seems to be like where a lot of people are completely disengaged from it, they don't realize that everything that goes in their mouth is creating every cell of their body. Right. And so that's where the breakdown is. We've gotten so disconnected, and everybody listening to this knows that. You know how disconnected we are. Well, as a when, when you can, when you complain about PTSD or anxiety, and I know you eat like crap, you drink alcohol, and you dip. Okay, you're doing these three things that are killing you, and but you don't want to let them go. Are we getting on another rant? This is a rant. Okay, we were talking about fasting. Yeah, fasting, man. Okay, so, just don't eat. All right. <laughs> what are your questions? <laughs> so really. You know, this is just to, just to, and I'm going to get on a rant. Oh my gosh, here we one. go. I'm going to do one. My turn. So fasting, you guys try it out. Here's something that happened to me today. Just now, now if you want to cut us off, you can. Okay. Yes, it's um, a good one. So I went to the grocery store today to get my food for fasting. Yeah. How's that? What, that? That, what does that, that even mean? So, which is funny. So we got our steaks and all of our stuff for our eating window. The lady in front of me was probably in her late 60s, maybe early 70s, and I'm a basket snooper. I snoop at people's baskets. I'm looking and seeing what they've got, what they're buying, just because of curiosity, and I'm never going to say anything to anybody, but I've had a couple of experiences in the last couple of weeks at the grocery store that are pretty funny, and I'm sure y'all have these too. Um, The lady in front of me today, Cheetos, all kinds of Pepperidge Farm cookies, um, a bunch of other packaged frozen pizzas and all these things. She did have a little bit of fresh food, and I always look for that, but it was grapes and strawberries, and I think she had a spaghetti squash, which seemed odd, but <laughs> I was like, okay. But in her basket, along with all this processed food, were three giant bottles of Miralax. <laughs> So Miralax, in case you don't know, is a product to help you go to the bathroom. It's a liquid laxative, kind of like milk of magnesia. Yeah. So Miralax, three giant bottles. And I was thinking, you know, it's got to be so horrible to not connect the fact that you need this Miralax 
to go to the bathroom with the fact that you've got Cheetos and Pepperidge Farm cookies and frozen pizzas and all this trash food in your basket. And, and it makes me so upset for people that they don't know that we've broken this so badly in our yeah. country that they don't put that together. And that just goes, you know, you can't, you, you can't uh, overcome your wants. Like they need real food, but they want this other food and they can't, they can't switch the switch and overcome it. Because let me tell you right now, if I could eat Pepperidge Farm cookies and and pizza, I probably would. Well, she had the Sausalitos in her basket, so yeah. I was like, so, I liked those. So I'm not, <laughs> not going to say that food is not delicious. It absolutely is. But I've, I, I now am able to equate that food with an unhealthy lifestyle opposed to you know what we do now. And that's our goal is optimal health. We say that all the time. We're trying to be as healthy as possible so we can outlive every one of you. Yeah, and <laughs> I did not expect that. So, so it is the, you know, how does the food make you feel versus how you feel about the food. Right. And that is the biggest, like, boom light going on, you know, the light that went off in my life was like, I really like this food, but I don't really like how it makes me feel. And when you get to the point where you're like, and I'm okay with that, so I'm not going to eat that food because I'd rather feel the good than than just taste the food for a few minutes. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a process to get there. We didn't get there overnight. No, it took us a while. It took us a and, long and, time. And it took us forever to try this fasting nonsense we're yeah. doing. And you're all on your own journey, and, and it's yours. It's not ours. So uh, what what you do and what works for you is, is is could be completely different from what we're doing, and that's great. Um, you know, we love hearing what other people do and how they're you know how they're getting healthy and what works. Absolutely. But uh, anyway, before we get on another rant, we might want to wrap this one up. Oh. Just in case. Just in case. We're going to be traveling again, so that's going to be interesting. Um, and next week, Steve talks about men in skinny jeans. Yeah. Oh, something cool <laughs> oh, happened. Too late. Too late. Something cool happened to me oh. and to you. You got skinny jeans? I've always had skinny jeans, even when I didn't need them. Um, but I got the opportunity to do a keto class at a CrossFit gym. Oh, yeah. That's coming up. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. We'll yep. let y'all know more, more about it later. And we have a special guest coming very soon. I'm really excited about it. Dr. Jamie Seaman, Dr. Fit and Fabulous on Instagram, will be joining us in a couple of weeks for a podcast. Yeah, so I'm be excited fun. about that. Yeah. We're going to talk about women women and carnivore. And just she also, um, I think, does private consultation, on, you know, on the phone for men and stuff, but she can't see men in her clinic because she's an OBGYN and that'd oh, be yeah. weird. That'd be weird. But, um, that's, that's but yeah. Identified as a woman that I could go. I guess. Yeah. I don't know what the rules are, but it, it will be a great conversation, I know, and you guys will want to definitely be here for that. So, all right. Well, that's other a, than that, ski, Steve's talking about skinny jeans. That's next a week. great way to end a podcast with a teaser for another podcast. That's great. Yeah. That's the way to go. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, we appreciate all you guys listening. We hope you have a great day, even though it's Tuesday, not Monday. Um, Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tasco Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.